I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on Hey there, ghosts, ghouls, and everything in between. We at the Savannah Underground are extremely excited to say that we have officially launched our Patreon. The link is in our description, or you can search patreon.com slash savannahunderground. So head over to our page and join us for bonus content, merch drops, live investigations of haunted locations, and just getting to know us, because we really want to get to know you. Enjoy the episode, and stay spooky, y'all. Hello, ghosts and ghouls, and welcome to a bonus episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. And I'm Chris Susie. And we are really excited to answer some questions today. We kind of combed through our TikTok comments and Instagram comments and looked for some interesting things that we are able to talk about that you guys are wondering. So, JT, you want to start us off? Hey, what's up, y'all? I am JT Timmons. I uh, do all the tech around here, if you don't know me. But I'm going to be asking them questions about ghosty stuff that y'all want to know. So the first thing comes from uh, my creative side. What to do if you hear something calling your name? Well, that's classic bad news. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in, in, in most instances... Um, generally speaking, depending on and depending on what folklore we're dealing with, uh, normally when something is calling out your name, it is considered dangerous. You're not supposed to go towards it. You're not supposed to investigate it. It is the classic trap. And once something has your name, in a lot of cultures, they believe that it has sort of a dominion over you. Knowing your name is a power, and being able to use it to draw you in—that's that's a danger. Now, that's not to say that it couldn't be a loved one reaching across. Mm-hmm. It, it, it could be a, a, an entity that knows you. Uh, but in most uh, classic situations, hearing your name called out is, is like a mousetrap. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a supernatural being trying to draw your attention and trying to draw you closer. So uh, in those instances, most people would just say, Get away. Yeah, most people, uh, I've always heard the rule of thumb is to ignore it and don't look back. Um, That especially comes from Appalachia kind of folklore. the look around? Yeah, Yeah. the look around, and especially with fae folklore also. Um, So I guess it kind of depends on what situation you're in. I mean, if you're in your house, it's a lot of times that's going to be the more likely instance when a loved one or somebody who has a connection with you from the, you know, human lifetime that they had, they're going to come to you in places that they know that you're comfortable. They're not going to be the ones hiding behind trees in a dense forest being like, Cynthia, (laughs) you know, so. (laughs) It's true. And it's interesting, too, because I I often say that spirits will attach themselves to a person. People are more likely to be haunted than houses. And in those instances, it may be a spirit that knows you, and you can carry it wherever you go. 
Uh, and then if you're in a place where there's a there's an energy that can really supply a spirit with enough uh, energy to contact or communicate, they may reach out and speak to you. And that's why you see, and I want to say that there's several ghost hunting shows uh, where one of the investigators will hear their name called. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in those instances, it may very well be a ghost that knows them, that has been traveling with them, that has been connected to them. And then they're in this highly charged environment where the spirit can communicate. So I think that uh, there are a lot of variables <laughs> to that particular one. It's not, there's no blanket response to what do you do when you hear your name called. Um, but as, it is a good rule of thumb to say follow the vibe. Yes, follow the vibe. <laughs> you know, know that if it's freaky, it's probably freaky. Yeah. If, it's, if it's, you know, somehow calming or, or, or familiar then you're probably okay, probably. Um, and also, if for some reason it is a loved one and they're just picking a wrong time to try to reach out to you, even if you ignore them, they're going to figure out a way to get your attention some other way if calling out your name is not working. So, yeah. yeah. Ignore it. Ignore it. <laughs> what is the look around? That's, that's my question. <laughs> so... It's, is it a look around or look behind? Or it's, look? it's one of those yeah. two. It, it's, regardless, it's a spirit that usually you find in kind of remote areas, especially up in Appalachia. And it's said to be this creature that it calls out your name in the middle of the night. And um, if you follow it, it like kind of entraps you, uh, essentially. Right. And, yeah. and it's also uh, oftentimes when you look and you'll see like a tree line, you'll see some shape just shift behind the tree oh. and and it is basically looking at you from behind the tree it's and and it's it's definitely this malevolent spirit that seems to be woodland based mm-hmm. um and it is yeah it's very uh anyone who lives in appalachia should know a version of the yeah <laughs> okay. of the story. Is, it like a, is it like a siren almost because that's what um, it kind of remind me of well it's just like a not hot siren <laughs> well I, I think, oh go ahead yeah so sirens oftentimes have to have some form of music associated to them yeah. they aren't all beautiful and a lot of folklore sirens are actually horrifying it's the looking. song that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's the song that puts you into the trance. No, this is solely a creature that is just trying to, because it's so jarring that it knows your name and you're hearing your name even though no one else is around and you're in the middle of the woods at night, that's what is attractive yeah. about it. And in many ways, it's, it's more of a creature mm-hmm. than a, you know, a full-blown supernatural entity. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there's, there's conceptually ideas of, of just mimicry and the ability to mimic voices and the ability to do these things. And so it's like a thing yeah. that can attack you. Yeah, it would be on par with, like, Wendigo and, right. like, Skinwalker oh, lore. Sure. So, so like, a, like a really malevolent thing. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. The next question is uh, from multiple people. That is not the username. Um, how to unlock your mirrors asking for a friend. Unlock? Yeah, so I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. He so, said, unlock? Yeah. But, 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 but. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people ask this on oh, the video wow. about uh, locking mirrors that I made. <laughs> Typically, I don't recommend unlocking them. I do recommend refreshing your locks. Um, it's not what they asked. 
Yeah, I know. I'm like, I can, okay. So to unlock it, it's actually very easy. You basically go back and watch that video that I did where I showed you the symbols of the runes or, you know, um, sigils that you made or whatever. Use the same water or oil or whatever you're using and just do it in reverse and imagine instead of the bars closing in bars releasing but (laughs) i will say i don't recommend it um yeah that that's basically what are are the consequences then i mean you're just leaving your portal open so you're inviting a lot so and surprisingly if you're just talking about a mirror and you and you assume that there's nothing on the other side, um, it's all intent. Intent actually counts for ninety percent of mm-hmm. everything that happens, you know, mystically, supernaturally. Uh, your intent with any given object is, in fact, a a type of uh, divination, a type of spell, a type of you know. Uh, attempt at changing and altering the reality around you. Uh, it is not wise. You know, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of, of problems when you start associating with looking into things that we don't naturally have capacity to see. I'm very, um, I'm very hesitant to, uh, to, to tell anyone to use any object or anything to enhance your perception. And I, I, I say that because we're built specifically. <laughs> we are, as human beings, we're built specifically. And you can reach out to people who have natural proclivities. You can reach out to the psychics because something about their you know, life led them to have this insight. But when you start messing with it on your own, when you start doing these things on your own, and you don't have the sight to know when it's dangerous or when something dangerous is coming or when something da- if you don't if you don't have the the ability to sense danger and and we don't for the most part there could be horribly scary and terrible beings all around us but mercifully <laughs> we don't know they're there because otherwise we wouldn't function very well so i strongly strongly suggest not prying open any doors, not looking into these things. And, of course, this is coming from a person who's, you know, gone on ghost hunts and been to scary places and sat in the dark and done the stupid things. Uh, So I I don't necessarily follow my own advice, but it is my advice. It is the advice I give. I mean, yeah, to answer your question, that's how you do it. But we're also going to give you the fair warning of it. Um, But on top of that, though, Refresh your locks. I usually do that about once a month or so. Like if there was ever yeah. a scary thing to do, I am not endorsing this. Um, I've known people to make Ouija boards out of mirrors, and that is a double whammy of bad oh, yeah. juju. So, but knowing that people scry with mirrors or use yeah. mirrors for all different forms of, of divination, um, just be careful is, is, is the big bottom line because yeah. I, I think I'd mentioned before that it's easy to get obsessed with even the smallest amount of supernatural activity. And, hmm. and it's easy to, to fall down rabbit holes. You know, I've seen people turn full vandals when given the opportunity because it's like, oh, this is a haunted place. And they start, like, taking hammers to yeah. tombstones so they can have a piece of it. No way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the witch's that? graveyard mm-hmm. in Allenhurst, Georgia, was totally raised. Like, they took the tombstones. They ripped up the, they ripped up the fences 
Can we find any photos of that? We could probably know. go there yeah. and take. We can go there. I can yeah. show you where it is. But comment and let us the, know if you want to um, want us to go there. What happened there? Uh, it's because it's now totally different. Okay. You know, it, I mean, it was all repaired, but it's hidden. It's like there's no sign of those original graves. No. Wow. Okay. So, so my question off of that is, what is going to be if you want to let a demon into your house? What is going to be more successful? Would it be unlocking a mirror, or would it be uh, leaving a Ouija board closed? You. I'm here. Again. I'm here to be the devil's advocate. Okay. No, I'm not saying this is, literally, I mean. this is this is conversational. Okay. I mean, this is this is we not, are, not, we not are instructional. Not, we are not advocating for you okay. to release demons into your homes. Um, I mean, you can you can summon a demon in a number of ways outside of mirrors and Ouija boards. Oh, absolutely. You can put up an altar for them and say like, "Come and have it," you know, and they they will. You can just entertain your darkest thoughts. Yeah. You know, literally just entertain your darkest thoughts. And that can be enough. Yeah. Because in essence, like draws like. You know, um, and of course there are exceptions to every rule. But if you you try to stay with loving thoughts and loving notions, it's, it's one of the best protections against evil befalling you. If you stay in the, in the concept of what you love and, and, and your faith, and it doesn't have to be religious faith. It, it, it's faith in anything that you find you know, comfort in. Um, but on the other side of that spectrum, the dark thoughts, the, the, the really troubling aspects of our, of our, of our own darkness, that is... That is how you ward off good spirits. That's how you yeah. how you invite these dark things. So, it's it's interesting because we have that the phrase you know confronting your demons or wrestling with your demons, um, and it's it's more true than people think. Sure, because I think when we are in that emotional state, we ourselves are kind of portal, you know, mm-hmm. and and we are portals. We are living beings with spiritual aspects. That means we live both in the physical world and the spiritual world simultaneously. That means our foot is through the door. And that makes us very tempting to any spirit that wants to come through. That gives us that, that concept and that notion. Um, we have spent the last thousand years trying to build a wall between that spiritual world and the physical world. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've, and we've succeeded you know, many people use science to brick up the wall so that they never have to think of the supernatural or the ethereal or all these other things because we have all these scientific explanations. And the truth is an explanation or a definition does not negate the magic. It, it merely defines the conditions of it. They, it really gives you, uh, you know... Um, Knowing how a baby is made does not reduce the magic of a human being being brought into the world. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you can, we scientifically know, but we can't replicate it. I can't build a baby in my workshop. I can't, you know, there is something going on that is just beyond, and, you know, everybody's like, well, one day science will be able to do this. Sure, I'm sure that's true. But that also doesn't make it less magic. I, I believe fully one day we're going to have a little box and we're going to be able to talk to dead people. 
and and not in the spirit box way. I mean, full conversations, full, you know, and, and one day we're going to say, isn't it funny that people used to be afraid of ghosts? Mm-hmm. You know, isn't it funny? And the, That's interesting. The reason I say that is if I went back 100 years and told people that I carry in my pocket a device that would let me talk to China, take pictures and send them to, you know, Europe – in a flash, in a moment, they think I was crazy. Yeah. We are carrying magic in our pockets, and we are so stubborn to say, well, it's science. It's like, is it science? Because it's attaching to air, and it's flying through the air, and they're like, well, oh, waves. And Just because we, we came up with a name does not diminish its wonder. Sure. Be amazed. <laughs> be amazed. <laughs> Hashtag be amazed. Be amazed. I'd like to, I'd like to clarify by asking questions about like that about demons i'm not saying do any of it i'm not i'm not endorsing any of that it's just from my dark mind my curious dark mind and these are like legitimate experts and so you know i don't know the, um, i'm going to represent all the people listening to this podcast who have the dark questions <laughs> they see a lot of positivity and all that and i do too however I like the darker stuff. The reason why we're a little bit like that is because Chris and I have both seen really awful spirits before. And so I don't want that to happen for you guys. So don't, uh, it's all about intention, you know, respect it, respect, respect the the spirit realm and just, you know, all right. What you want. Next question. Um, have you ever asked a ghost if there is a, he- a heaven or hell? That comes from Brandon T underscore 239. So, um, it, in a sense, no. Um, I know when I was younger, I kind of dabbled with trying to be like, what's the spirit realm like? And this is solely because as I was growing up, I was able to hear spirits' responses, and I dabbled in the divination thing, not Ouija boards, but like other forms. And I truly believe that spirits are not really allowed to tell you things like that. Like there is kind of this um, mask that they, they present for us because there is some questions that it's just too much for the human mind to comprehend. And there is a reason why we don't quite know until we pass over. And it's very interesting because I think too that any spirit that we are dealing with is caught between. None of them have made it to whatever that next thing is. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Uh, conceptually, you know, yeah. again, we don't know. Big disclaimer, don't know. We have no idea. But it makes sense that if a spirit can still access this realm and, and communicate with us here, they probably don't have access to the next. Mm-hmm. They are actually, you know, in a waiting room waiting to move to the next. And it depends on what faith you are and what kind of belief you have in the afterlife and, and what that means. Uh, but I think in the, in the long run, there's no real determination of what happens to spirits once they pass on. Because you'll, you'll hear it all the time when, when people do um, 
cleansing of houses or they're, they're trying to help people get, they're, they're, they're trying to help the spirit leave this plane, you know, follow the light, go to the place. No one comes back from the light, which might be one of the reasons why they're hesitant to go into the light mm-hmm. because it's a huge unknown variable. There's something, you know, beyond the, the level of our attachment um, and you'll hear us talk about demons, and you'll hear us talk about, you know, there's, there are instances where I use the devil as, as, as the term for an entity, but I generally aren't, I'm not speaking of heaven and hell or the religious structures. I'm speaking of terms that make the most sense for the entity I'm dealing with. Uh, but beyond that, the concepts of heaven and hell are so rich in different cultures, and it would be very difficult to assert whether or not the heaven of you know uh, one religion or or belief structure is the correct you know the idea is maybe everybody goes to their own heaven you know you you create it in your mind um, I think the scariest uh, definition of heaven and hell was the last mortal thought the last thing you think and feel before death lasts an eternity because it is the last mechanism of your existence and that's where you are so finding peace right before you die so being comfortable right before you die praying that you die in your sleep you know things of that nature i've always thought that it was one of the scariest because i think of all the people who died suffering and all the people who died in pain and anguish uh, or ignorant of the love that people had for them i think that when you deal in that regards there's a very real heaven and hell and it exhibits itself in how we live our lives. I think heaven and hell is access is accessible to us living, and we should take full advantage of the knowledge that we've been given all the tools to have a heaven here on earth. We've given all the tools to have a hell on earth. We have to make those decisions while we're alive. Yeah, I think it's just a little too complex. It, it, I don't think the heaven and hell concept... That was made for us to be able to just comprehend at least some idea of it. It's not quite as linear as we like to make things. And it falls into an explanation of the very purpose of living at all. And I think when you start at a very simple basis and heaven and hell is basically reward and punishment for the life you lead, it makes sense that those were our early interpretations of what happens next. But... As time went on and as we observe the world as it is, I think our ability to embrace how complex and how complicated life and the universe is, we should be able to, uh, to expand our definition of heaven and hell. Yeah, and to bring it back to the asking a ghost about it, if there is any spirit that is answering your question and saying this is definitive... You can't trust that. No, we, ghosts will lie. They will. Oof, they lie. Uh, well, and, uh, well, especially, you know, n- entities that have never been alive. Oh, especially. You know? Yeah, they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear. Also very dangerous if a spirit tells you the future. That is a deeply disturbing sensation because technically nothing should know the future. And in the, in the big book of beliefs... The, the idea of anything that knows the future makes it very dangerous to us because the future is this unknown variable ideally 
And so if you're dealing with a, with a, with a, with a being that can see the future, that's, it's tricky. That's the, you're probably dealing with what I would call a demonic force or an angelic presence, either or. Do not hinge upon the future. It's, uh, the future is, 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 a, is a dangerous place to, to, to put yourself. Yeah. So. All right. Oh, do you have something more? Oh, no. I was going to say, you want to... All righty. This one comes from Yam31Talker, and he, she, or they asks, how can I talk to my dead grandmother? Talk? Like... (laughs) Oh. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can do that. I would encourage you, if you are not um, gifted in the way that you're able to you know, communicate with spirits naturally. I, I do recommend you reach out to somebody that you can trust who knows and has done the research on how to commune with spirits. Because when you dabble into the realm of, you know, pulling out, that's when people pull out Ouija boards and they're like, I'm going to try to talk to my, my grandmother or whatever. You're opening yourself up because you're so vulnerable and looking for, you know, someone that you care a lot about you know you open yourself up to other spirits that are trying to take advantage of that so i would highly encourage you to find somebody who can differentiate the two and when you're dealing with loved ones um the the concept again i always I, i i tend to go back to broadcasting the idea of like a radio what you really think of is the love you have as the antenna and you 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 utilize your love you just open up. You can talk. You can, you can, you know, a lot of people will visit graves or look at pictures or things like that. And what you have to understand is communication is a very specifically strange thing. Um, a lot of times it's, 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 it's open-ended. But what I've learned, and this is through observation all my life, is that the, the remnants of the love that you have with someone oftentimes manifests itself in signs mm. in, in certain things. Um, I have friends who, who had a, a child pass away and they became very convinced that the, the vision of a bird, a very specific bird was the child communicating to them. And remarkably this bird, which is not a common bird would show up in their lives and it would bring them great peace. So think about those things, the things that your grandmother loved. The, you know, it, it could be songs. It could be anything. And then look for them in your environment because they may be communicating to you. There may be a connection going on that is not just like a grandma sitting next to you and, and talking to you. It, it can be uh, a path of their love bringing you signs of it. Be open to it. Be open to the idea that, you know, um, I've known people to have, uh, and it's funny because I, it was a grandmother, it was a, a specific perfume. And they'd get this, this whiff of wow. this perfume just out of, really? the, out of the blue. And then it would be like, oh, my grandmother. You know, and, and, they, and there's that sensation. So don't think of, of, of talking like I'm going to say something, they're going to respond. Know that love transmits. And when you speak with love, it transmits, and it goes out into the universe. And where the love was felt, usually it'll, it'll send a message back, but it's not going to be 
a conversation. It's not going to be. Mm-hmm. And be wary of conversations. Yeah. <laughs> be wary of full, because uh, like the Ouija board is such a dangerous tool because it has the aspect of communicating like we talk. I say something, I get a response. I say something, I get a response. Um, that is an abnormal way to speak to a supernatural being. Uh, and, and, and if you have any question about that, look at the vast history of what it took for people to communicate with supernatural beings. They oftentimes had to have altars. They oftentimes had to light 100 candles. I oftentimes have to draw elaborate things. They didn't go to Milton Bradley and buy an $8 box and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and break it out and start talking. Maddie and I, Maddie and I met Chris uh, about what four or five years ago now, and th- his answer right there is exactly w- how I knew that he was like the real deal and not some like you know TV personality who has absolutely no uh, knowledge of the uh, of spirits is because like. I feel like on on television, you're going to hear like people go, oh, this is how you hold a seance. But but, you know, that was like a legitimately, you know, like pro ghost hunter answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks. And I will go on record as I do not ever call myself an expert. I, I, I am an enthusiast. Mm-hmm. I feel very strongly about this. This is a passion of mine. But because it's so wide, you know, I, and, mm-hmm. and so yeah. whenever I say something, I, I find it interesting because there'll, there'll always be resistance. There'll always be somebody out there who's like, ah, that's crap. Um, and I fully accept that. I, I, I not only accept it, I acknowledge it. Not, you know, I've come to these ideas through trial and error of my own, and they may not be the truth for everyone because we're dealing with very innocuous situation as far as the living and the dead or the living and the, the spirit realm I, I, I always stress, we just don't know. <laughs> There's a lot not known. Maybe we can put that on our merch is hashtag like we don't, we just don't know. <laughs> yeah. And like the most haunted city on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Might, yeah. yeah. That's actually, uh, honestly, yeah. good work. I, I, I personally like a hashtag ghosts or heroin. So. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, Lord. Leo. But yeah, going into like, I liked what you were saying about you know, having loved ones or even people, you know, you, you knew in your lifetime show up as animals or things like that. That happens a lot. That's why you often hear of birds and butterflies and all sorts of things like that of being your loved ones. I actually have a grandmother who is now granted, she is my spirit guide now in the afterlife. So she has a different purpose, but she is very, very uh, prominent as a cardinal. Oh, there um, you go. Yeah. yeah, and she comes up to everybody in my life, like my parents, my sister, even JT now, um, now that we're married. He'll be working here, and you'll just see a cardinal banging on the, the window or... Nice. Yeah, things like that. She shows up when, you know, uh, you're going through a hard time. You'll often, I'll often see the cardinal sitting on the window. My parents have had that happen to them before. So... Sometimes it really does depend on what's going to catch your attention because they, they know. They know you. They know if you're not one to necessarily be super aware of something acting up in your area. Like, oh, you yeah. Know, no, like, absolutely. So oftentimes they're going to pick something to show their presence. That's why some people get the whiff of perfume because mm-hmm. they know that's something they're going to pick up on or – Somebody who, you know, they're going to notice a lot of butterflies showing up in, around yeah, them, absolutely, you know. Absolutely. I, it's, it's funny how oftentimes we ignore signs. 
how often we are we we just go about oblivious and um and there's such a wonderful moment when when somebody either tells you that there's a sign or when you realize it yourself this 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 opening of oh my gosh mm-hmm. yes of course mm-hmm. I, I i i should have seen it you know you 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 should have seen it so um yeah i <laughs> i'm quick to kind of try to hedge people away from from attempting these communications and attempting these things uh, simply because of that unknown variable. But I do believe that love is stronger than any other emotion. I do believe that love is, is a better vessel for communication than any other emotion. Than a Ouija board? Certainly than a Absolutely. Ouija board. Um, <laughs> I am not a fan of the Ouija board. I and and it's, A lot of that is because of the, the intent of it. Mm-hmm. Um, tend, technically, a lot of Ouija board practice is frivolous for fun, and that puts you at extreme danger because that is just an open invitation to anything. And I've said this before, the biggest, strongest spirit will attach itself. And once one spirit has attached itself to a board, you're not talking to anyone else. No other spirit is going to come to that board because that spirit is fighting to control the board and stay there. So they'll tell you. They're, you know, Marilyn Monroe. They'll tell you they're your long lost uncle. They'll they'll lie, <laughs> and yeah. and it becomes a tricky endeavor because my Ouija board story involves a person who just got so obsessed that they would do it in their room all by themselves, and they and they basically lost the will to go about their lives because they had this conduit, this this thing that just fed them information that basically they wanted to hear. So, you know, you have to you have to pry a Ouija board away from somebody yeah. who who's who's been that inundated because, you know, ideally that's what the what the what the spirit of the board wants is you, you know, to to be in your life, to be to have your life. Interesting. All righty. Sounds good. Uh, maybe we should maybe we could have like a, um, a whole uh, episode on like Ouija boards, the dangers of them. Or sure. oh, because yeah. I mean, I know for for sure that like you know that interests me big time. Before meeting Madison and learning, you know, she quickly told me how dangerous they can be and don't even mess with them. Um, but you know, I was I was contemplating using one because I I was like you know that could be interesting. It's and very then, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting, and that'd be that's why it'd be so interesting to talk about on a podcast episode. However, um, she you know she quickly she quickly was like absolutely not, and this is why. And uh, you know the whole open invitation thing is super creepy to me because like what if you're talking to you know what if you think you're talking to your grandma but it's actually like something very malicious that mm-hmm. is like oh i can i can learn all about you know i can oh, learn yeah. all about you right. you know it happens all the time that's so. freaky that's creepy stuff all right on to the next one dark walker 44544 asks what is your favorite cryptid Mothman. <laughs> I, oh, love I do Mothman. love the Mothman. The Mothman <laughs> is very, very cool. Um, but you know, I'm old school. I, I love Bigfoot. And sure. it's more more and and more just because it's been the most popular. So like it it's definitely the first one I was ever introduced to. You know, Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster were the were the two that yeah, you know, the runaway celebrities of the cryptid yeah. world. Um, <laughs> but you know, growing up, uh, they already had you know, the, um, the, the footage, the famous loping Bigfoot. So, you know, all my life, Bigfoot had been at the very least a media 
fascination. Um, but man, Mothman's good. Yeah. Mothman's good. <laughs> I just love reading about it because it, there's so many interesting theories because there have been sightings outside of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, Chicago's been going under a huge yeah. Mothman, like, for years yeah. now. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the flying man uh, concept. So, the, it, yeah, yeah. You, the Mothman can be anywhere. I have I a friend, I think, I count that he encountered him in Brunswick. Oh. In Brunswick, Georgia, yeah. Yeah, I think there was also a encounter in China. So it, it spans the globe, oh, sure. which is really cool to me. And I just love this idea of like an omen of some disaster, you know. The harbinger. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, I love it. I think it's so interesting. And also, I just love the West Virginia culture they built with Mothman. And, oh, sure. You know. Well, I think that that was the, the most uh, aggressive um, uh and urgent Mothman encounter. Yeah. So many people had it. So many, you know, there's so much to it that they could, you know, catalog it and and talk to seri- you know, a series of people who had the same experience that led up to that you know, bridge collapse. And it was such a, uh, it's a gripping story, mm-hmm. really. What uh, What would your favorite cryptid be, JT? Oh, that's easy, Chupacabra. We own one. We own two. Chupacabra. He's talking about our mini Schnauzer when he gets wet or he gets shaved down he does look like a chupacabra can we insert a photo of tartan yeah so people I can, can see our I chupacabra can, yeah or we can we can we can post him on uh, on our like tiktok story or well, something what's really fascinating about the chupacabra too was they might in the yeah. early days of me knowing and hearing about it, it was a little goblin yeah and it actually promoted to this long-snouted dog which was fascinating because when it was a goblin it seemed, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But then when it became kind of like some kind of weird coyote-like creature, yeah, it was like, sure. oh, you know what? There might be something out there. You know, yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's one thing to like show me a little goblin and say, this goblin is eating goats. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and I am yeah. the first to accept pretty much anything anybody sees because I, I, don't, have, I don't have room to say that's – you know, that's not true because I've seen too many things to discount what somebody, mm-hmm. somebody else that comes up sure. says, I saw a little goblin eating a goat. I'd have to like, at the very least be like, well, okay, you saw something yeah. and I will <laughs> accept that it looked like a goblin eating a goat. But then when, when, when it took a shift, at least in, in, in my perception from, from like a, a goblin to a, to a dogish thing, I was like, okay, so there is something, there's yeah. something out there. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I know a lot of people have said that it's a uh, a sholo. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. but sholos don't suck blood out of chickens. No. And no, they just they just kind of look like them in the photos. Oh, sholos are so they're such cool dogs. I honestly would love to have one uh one day. Um but uh, also I got to ask. I got to ask because I did say chupacabra mainly because we have one. Um but is the bell witch a cryptid mm-hmm. because I uh, I love the Bell Witch. Just everything about the Bell yeah. Witch. We, yeah. can, we can take a drive up there. Oh, I would take a drive yeah. up there in two seconds. Go to that cave. So I don't know if I would call the Bell Witch a cryptid necessarily. No. I would call it more of a demonic force of some sort, using demonic as like a catch-all term. But something non Never alive, it's, and it's the only. It's like one of the only one, uh, only uh, I guess spirits that isn't a demon that has killed somebody. Right, that's what I heard at least. So it's, it's killed people. No, that's. I mean, it, it it has. It's not the only one, but um, 
the the most interesting thing is the the width and breadth of experiences with the Bell Witch. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, you have so many accounts, even like a former president, you know, account of encountering this thing. And it does kind of stretch back to a person is, is the bottom of it. The bottom I mean, of absolutely. this well is that there is a source human being and there is this concept and construct, and, and we kind of talked about it on our last one, that a demonic entity can attach itself to a human and then through that experience the world, learn about the world, and then exist on utilizing the human's traits and the human's... Sure. You know, mm-hmm. uh, because there are non-human entities. There are humans who lost sight of their humanity and now behave in a demonic pattern and a, demon- a demonic fashion. There's a lot of gray area but I do believe that there's a lot of never alive non-human e- energies that present themselves as as malevolent forces. Yeah, and especially because, like, I know it's called a witch, but like, I don't think you know, witch has always been used as a word to um, portray an evil woman or something. Right, it's a condemnation. Yeah. Term. Even though that's not the case. Right. So it's, you know. Yeah, I just, I just really am, I love the idea of this, like, this, like, ghoul out there. Like, a, like a, yeah. a, not necessarily, it, it doesn't really, the, gen, the, the gender or sex doesn't really matter. Um, to me, it, it's like the Blair Witch. Like, you never see yeah. the Blair Witch, but, like, I, I was obsessed with the Blair Witch as a kid. You know, after watching the Blair Witch Project, you know. At five years old, I was just obsessed. Well, it's funny because even when the Blair Witch came out, I thought it was some kind of tie-in to the Bell Witch. Yeah. I thought, it, I thought That's they, they, I thought. Had, they That's had made I thought. a movie yeah. about the Bell Witch. I'm pretty sure it's, it's inspired. Inspired, yeah. for sure. Um, but, you know, they, they, yeah, super creepy. Um, and, and a major coup for storytellers Absolutely. was, you know, the Blair Witch being this thing where no one knew anything about it. So it felt very real. It felt mm-hmm. very, when it came out... Um, they the press packet was brilliant because they did not let you know that it was fiction. They they played it very straight and they played it like, oh well, you know, we compiled all this footage, we found these lost tapes, and this is you know what happened, and 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 it was and that was brilliant. Um, but back to the Bell Witch, uh, we are not far. I mean, it's not sure. It's a day drive, and we could pack up our gear and go. <laughs> Go yeah. poke, go poke the bell witch in the face. Absolutely. Are there any Savannah cryptids? Um. So interestingly, there are some strange things that are not normally talked about in Savannah. Uh, Savannah had a vampire scare for a while, so there's a there's a conceptually an, a Savannah vampire. Um, there is just south of here. Um, oh, my brain. Uh, we. Uh, uh, there's a river not far from here that has a Loch Ness-like creature in it, um, but the name is escaping. The Alamaha. I've never heard of that one. The Alamaha River Serpent um, has been spotted for as long as there's been recorded history in yeah. in the region. Uh, you know, the natives, uh, the indigenous people were. Um, were the first to talk about it, and then you know early colonizers. So yeah, just south of here, really? at the Almaha, is the Almaha. I think that's okay. what it's called, the okay. creature itself. 
Um, and then there's the torso of buttermilk sound, which uh, is basically a headless, armless, legless thing that crawls along the riverbank uh, in uh, in butter buttermilk sound, just in Richmond Hill. Mm-hmm. Does it roll? It how how does it? Oh, it it worms. Undulates. Is it it deep fried? Because it sounds like a it sounds like a like a dessert or something. No, (laughs) (laughs) I would actually love to to so yeah. There is there is a Bigfoot like creature in Fort Stewart, Georgia, which is just forty five miles south of here, and I firmly believe it is a gorilla. Because when I was very young, my family lived at Fort Stewart and, uh, for a brief period of time. And we used to go to this place on 17 that had monkeys and gorillas. And that place was shut down. I think a, mon- a gorilla got... Because the descriptions oh, yeah. that they come up with, the descriptions that they have of the, um, of the creature sounds like a giant gorilla, a big yeah. gorilla. But uh, like in Fleming, Georgia, it's been seen. Some soldiers uh, on Fort Stewart actually saw it with their night vision uh, gear. Um, so yeah, uh, there is some kind of cryptid, uh, which I believe is 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 a is a gorilla. Um, and I I want to say that the last time that I've ever heard, that I heard a report about it was like 2012. Okay, was was the last time, and it was like somebody coming home from school, and there was this thing standing like just off of the property. Oh. And it was this huge. And wow. when they described it, I was like, "Well, you should know what a gorilla is." Yeah, you know, <laughs> it seems to me you would know. Yeah, you'd recognize a gorilla. Yeah, but it's possible that it was covered in brambles. It yeah, could have been you know it's caked true. in mud. You know, yeah. gorillas and swamps may not be particularly compatible. the best compatible. <laughs> so it may be you know covered in all kinds of weirdness. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So okay. so when you talk about cryptids in this in this area. Because uh, you could go even further and start talking about like the folklore, like the plat eye and the yeah. you know the oh, hag, yeah. um, which I, I I don't consider necessarily cryptids as much yeah. as I consider them uh, folk tradition yeah. and folk entities entities yeah, yeah. okay um, the last question is actually addressed to Chris although I think that both of y'all can uh, you know could definitely answer it um, Chris as a paranormal theorist. How would you convince someone who is a non-believer to believe in ghosts? And that comes from Gravedigger underscore R3. All right. Well, the very, very first thing, I wouldn't. I have no interest in converting people. I have no interest in changing people's beliefs. Um, But I will always be open to the conversation. Uh, So your goal should never be to convince someone else. That leads to a dangerous type of hubris and it also leads to a dangerous type of interaction because what you're really saying is my belief is better than yours or mm-hmm. or, or or you should adopt my belief um i think that anytime you encounter the supernatural it is really on your own terms mm. and if a person is skeptical or if a person doesn't believe that is not only their prerogative, but it is their belief. It is how, how they were structured. So, I mean, and so the bottom line is, I don't. Um, but I share my stories, and I share my insight, and I will talk at length about it because it's something I'm passionate about, and it is a part of who I am. And 
people will either have to accept that. They'll have to accept that I'm a believer and that I have experiences. And, and, and they can even not believe my experiences are what I say they are, but they have to accept that that's how I present myself and how I present my reality and how I navigate through life. I navigate through life with a firm, structured belief in the supernatural, and it comes from experience, and it comes from you know, going into the shadows and looking and, and, and from interviewing and reading, and, and so I have a lot of information. I always say I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I also have to say I'm not a novice. Mm-hmm. I'm not just pulling rabbits out of hats. I am utilizing my knowledge to define the world I live in. And I invite everybody to join me, but I would never say that they're wrong for not believing the same thing I am. I will never say that, you know, that their belief, however structured it was, is in any way an infringement upon my belief. I, if somebody doesn't believe me, it does not change my experience. If someone wants to be a full skeptic, it doesn't change the truth. The truth does not alter because somebody doesn't believe it. So I let it stand. These are my experiences. This is what I've seen. This is what I've, I've felt. And these are my thoughts on the subject. And I leave it to them because sometimes you can convince a person. Sometimes you can just open the door of curiosity so that they are open to the idea. But a flat out trying to convince, you know, I, I have stunning photographs of ghosts. Ghost, ghost yeah. photography that you're looking at and you're like, oh my God. And I've shown them to people, and there are people who are like, oh, look at the ghost. And there are people like, ah, it's Photoshopped. Ah, yeah. this is Photoshopped. And that's fine. Uh, there's a, a wonderful, um, I believe it's attributable to Martin Luther King. Uh, for those who believe no evidence is necessary, for those who don't, no evidence would suffice. And that's a good way to live your life. You do not need to try to convince people who don't believe because that is exhausting. <laughs> Very much so. But you also never have to uh, abandon your beliefs just because you've met someone who has a strong argument against them. This is kind of about trying to live with respect for everyone's experiences and where they're coming from. Let them believe what they believe, but share your beliefs. Uh, Be proud of your belief. You know, I've spent a good portion of my life very ashamed, and even still a little of, of the paranormal side of my life because I know that talking about it with certain people will either get friction or just dismissal. And so there's, there were people in my life who never knew this aspect of me because I was playing a social game. The social game of, well, you can't just go around saying, I see ghosts or I've, you know, I like to go ghost hunting. That doesn't fly in a lot of situations. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of places where that conversation will just get you kind of stared at. Um, but knowing, you know, after enough years, you're kind of like, well, this is also how I have opinions about a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. This, is, mm-hmm. th- this informs a lot of my decisions in interactions and relationships yeah. of all kinds. So it's important to me for people to know that this aspect of my life exists. But I never pursue a person who is very against it. You know, yeah. if, if a person is resistant to it, don't break their resistance. Don't, <laughs> don't try to win them over. Yeah. Um, and if you're talking about like a, a close relationship, like a romance or anything like that, now you're talking about maybe what is the compatibility level 
of your relationship if at the fundamental core what you believe is not believed by the other person. I'm not saying that it won't work, but I'm saying it's going to be it's going to be a long haul. Don't divorce your partner <laughs> because they don't believe in ghosts though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying no that yeah. <laughs> that 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 fundamental difference yeah. should not be the fight. Sure, sure. Don't make that the, the sticking point. Oh yeah. Because th- that compatibility may may never show up. And if you're going to base your entire relationship on that, look at the other aspects of your relationship. You know, your love of pizza might save you. You know, if you if you both can can only talk about pizza. Only talk. Well, hopefully, there's more in common. So, uh, Madison, do you have anything to add before we close it up? Um, I would just say I, I agree completely with what Chris is saying. You know, I have spent my entire life being able to see spirits and I've had plenty of people say like, well, you're just schizophrenic or something. I'm not schizophrenic. Um, but there is a difference, you know, and, um, usually I just say, well, you can choose to listen to me talk or not. I'm just going to continue talking. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's kind of how I live my life. So and there's a wide range of topics. You know, yeah. th- this is not what I, the only thing I talk about. <laughs> yes. You know, I, 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 it's just I like 80% th- of what he talks I about. I know. It, it does seem like we literally just sit here well, and we're like ghost It's theory. 80% of what we talk about. Yeah. But, you know, me and my other friends, you know, we talk about ninjas. Ninjas, <laughs> yes. Understood. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, if this coming week, um, go ahead and ask questions in the comments on TikTok. We go through, you know, all of our uh, TikTok video uh, comments and, you know, we, we just pick out like really great questions. And so if you all have any questions, uh, we're going to be doing these QAs, I believe, every, uh, Q&As um, every week. So, uh, or almost every week. So, you know, Go ahead and uh, comment. Or you can also use the Q&A button in our bio on TikTok. You're more than welcome to go there and leave all that. Comments also work. Instagram also works. We're also, um, for those of you who might be new, we're under the Savannah Underground on TikTok and Instagram. Cool, cool. All righty. Madison, you want to go ahead and just close it up? Absolutely. Well, this was a great episode, and we will see you guys again next week. I'm Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all.